I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which from personal experience I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often. So stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Welcome back to Practical Stoicism. I'm Tanner Campbell, and this week I've got the news I couldn't share with you last week. This podcast is being acquired by Glassbox Media, which means a few things. Number one, it means I can now focus on this project full time, which is if I had a sound effects with, you know, like party poppers from New Year's and fireworks and cheering crowds, I would be playing that right now. Number two, it means I have time to add interviews and deep dives, which are things you guys and gals have been writing me nonstop, really since the show started asking for these things. I can now add these things to the weekly lineup because I can now write and prep for those things during the week and weekend. And number three, it means I have to make a change to the promise I made you about ads. I have to make a change moving forward. I know that hearing those items, all of you are going to be really happy because it means more content from me more frequently, and that's a win-win. But I also know that most of you, if not all of you, are going to cringe a little bit at the idea of number three, which is me making changes to the number of ads that appear in this show. Nobody likes ads. The reality, unfortunately, is that the ads are what is generating the revenue that's allowing me to go full-time, so they're a necessary annoyance. However, During my negotiations with Glassbox, who, if you care, are a really great group of people, I found them to be flexible and very understanding, especially of my fears and concerns of becoming a quote-unquote network show. I think that most of us, and maybe you're a creator in your own right, maybe you're an artist or a musician or something, we don't generally feel comfortable selling out, right? If, If I could reference the Real Big Fish song, that's what I think of whenever I think of something like this. I feel like I'm selling out. We're kind of uncomfortable with that, but at some point as we get older, we have to kind of square our impractical, youthful ideas about how the world works with how the world actually works. And sometimes that means you got to do what, when you were 13, you thought was selling out. But my biggest concern was, hey, you know, I promised my listeners that I would never interrupt any of my Saturday episodes with ads. I said I would never do that, and I'm not going to go back on that. I will not sign this contract if I have to do that. And to be quite honest with you, having no prior experience with Glassbox, I figured, okay, they're going to tell me, you know, to go pound sand. They're definitely not going to take that demand, but they did. So here is the agreement that we've come to. The deep dives and interviews. These new episodes, in addition to the Saturday episodes that I'm going to begin 
adding and rolling out in October, and which will be 45 to 60 minutes long, are going to contain pre-rolls, mid-rolls, and post-rolls. That's, at the most, two ads before the episode, two ads in the middle of the episode, and two ads at the end of the episode. Now, in all cases where I have the option, these ads will be host-read, so they're not going to be someone else's voice. I know that they're still an ad, but hopefully they're a little bit more tolerable when they're, you know, me talking about a product or a service instead of, you know, somebody with a radio voice suddenly jumping into our philosophy podcast, you know, like hopefully we can avoid that. And that is only going to apply to those longer episodes. Now, as far as our normal Saturday episodes, like the one you're hearing right now, at most there will be two ads before the content and two ads after the content. Nothing in the middle. I fought really hard to keep that promise that I would never have an ad interrupt one of these episodes. And while I can't prevent mid-rolls in these new episodes, I can absolutely prevent them in these current Saturday episodes. And again, I understand that ads are, you know, ads, and none of us really like sitting through them. But I want to create more content. You all have let me know loud and clear that you want more content, and ads are what is going to allow me to do that. If the ads are really obnoxious and you can't stand them, you can still become a premium member by going to stoicism.supercast.com and signing up for the ad-free, preamble-free version of this show. That price isn't going to change, by the way. It's still just $6 a month. And those are all the updates I've got. I hope you're more excited than you are bummed out about ads. I know that I'm excited to be doing more work for and with you. And on a personal note, moving from being a marketing and media consultant to a full-time philosophy creator is an experience I've not had before. And just a little teaser, this full-timeness means more than just extra episodes, but I'm going to save a few secrets for future episodes, okay? Today, we're jumping into Meditation 13 of Book 3, which reads as follows. Doctors keep their scalpels and other instruments handy for emergencies. Keep your philosophy ready, too, ready to understand heaven and earth. In everything you do, even the smallest of things, remember the chain that links them. Nothing earthly succeeds by ignoring heaven, nothing heavenly by ignoring earth. Our first interview episode is going to be in October with a gentleman named Kieran Setia, who is a philosopher of ethics at MIT and author of the forthcoming book Life is Hard. We'll be discussing something basic, the fundamental value of philosophy. And that is exactly what Marcus is getting at here in Meditation 13. Now, I'm not great at fishing analogies, perhaps because I'm not great at fishing, but when you go fishing, there are certain things you're sure to bring. Yes, the obvious things like your poles and bait, perhaps a net, but there are less obvious things too, like sunscreen, a knife, a few rags, maybe a large brimmed hat for protection from the sun while you're out on the water, bottled water, snacks, maybe a first aid kit too, just in case, you know, someone gets a hook stuck in their hand. And <laughs> hopefully my inclusion of a medical kit will help you to understand just how bad I really am at fishing. And in life, it is the same, except that fishing is an event that happens from time to time while life is happening constantly. And to be fully prepared for it in a philosophical sense is much harder than simply consulting with a pre-fishing trip checklist to make sure you've not forgotten anything. In life, you do not know when someone is going to cut you off in traffic or accost you in public. 
You don't know when your spouse is going to ask for a divorce or when your most beloved pet is going to die. You don't know when your boss is going to push you to the breaking point or when some sort of drama is going to make life less pleasant for you. So it's not as though you get the opportunity on those days to remember, oh, today is the day that Mike is going to call me a mean name at work and then suggest I'm crappy at my job. I better take a minute to collect my philosophical tools so that when that happens, I don't fly off the handle and kick Mike in the shin and tell him he has a stupid haircut. You need to be ready all the time with your philosophical toolbox handy to deal with things on the fly. And Marcus words this by saying you need to be ready to understand things in heaven and on earth. What does he mean by that? Well, we already know he doesn't mean heaven in the pearly gates sense. Instead, he means you need to be prepared to remember and understand nature and humanity as it relates to whatever situation you find yourself in. You need to remember why men and women act poorly. And that takes us all the way back to book two, one of the first meditations, maybe the first one, in fact. They act poorly because they do not know the nature of good and evil. And they do not know these things, not because they are bad, but because they, like you, are vulnerable to acting poorly when they don't have philosophical training, remember? They are like this because they can't tell good from evil. But I have seen the beauty of good and the ugliness of evil and have recognized that the wrongdoer has a nature related to my own, not of the same blood or birth, but of the same mind, and possessing a share of the divine. And so none of them can hurt me. No one can implicate me in ugliness, nor can I feel angry at my relative or hate him. We are born to work together, like feet, hands, and eyes, like the two rows of teeth, upper and lower. To obstruct each other is unnatural. To feel anger at someone, to turn your back on them, these are obstructions. You remember that meditation? It was the first one of book two. The first meditation we shared on this podcast way back in January of 2022. Marcus is asking us to have this tool with us at all times. All people are just like you, but not all people have the benefit of knowing the beauty of good or the ugliness of evil because they have not been taught it. They have not found the philosophical path that you are on to know any better. So, how can someone like that be cause to pull you off of your own path? When you can understand exactly why they act the way they do, how can you do anything more than desire to help them instead of blame them or be upset with them? Remembering this one thing alone is constantly protecting you from stepping off the path and into the rough, just like sunscreen is always protecting you from the sun even when you're not thinking about it. But not every issue you face will be a human one. Some of them will be fears of your own, doubts of your own, your own ego. And in those moments, there are other tools of philosophy you must have handy. So here's my suggestion. And I'm not the first to make it, but I happily make it whenever I can. When you wake up in the morning, as Marcus has said, prepare your mind. Perhaps read Book 2, Meditation 1, every morning of your life. Or memorize it and say it to yourself. And then, once you've reminded yourself of it, take out a journal and list the things you plan to do that day. Then go live your day. And when you return to your bed at night, take out that same journal and note the things you could have done better. Note your failures as you perceive them. Be honest with yourself here. This is hard to do. Don't make excuses. Identify where you failed. Write them down. And then share a few thoughts about how you could do better tomorrow. 
The only way to keep your philosophical tools at the ready, at all times, is to use them as frequently as possible. And if you can get into a philosophical headspace right at the beginning of the day, and again, right at the end of the day, you'll be primed throughout the day to more easily slip into a philosophical state of mind when something comes up. The power of journaling at the end of the day is that during the day, you might remember that you're going to journal at the end of the day, and you may find yourself asking when weird situations come up that challenge your stoicism, well, I'm going to have to write about this later. And do I want to be writing good things about how I dealt with this situation, or do I want to be writing lamenting things about how I dealt with this situation? So writing at the end of the day as well as the beginning of the day can be a motivator to kind of stay on the path throughout the day. And a fun little story from one of you, a listener who I'm not going to name, recently sent me a photo of the Greek for Prokopton tattooed on his forearm. Now, I will admit that I have never been cause for anyone to add a tattoo to their body. I have a few myself, so no judgments there. And I'm definitely not advocating for anyone doing that. But I thought it was a rather neat, if not permanent, way of giving oneself a visual cue that was readily accessible. It is, after all, much easier to feel hypocritical when you're acting in a way that betrays an idea that is clearly printed on your body. But tattoo or otherwise... I would encourage you to go to your local bookstore today or the next opportunity you have to do so. Find a small, unassuming notebook like one of those moleskin notebooks and use it at night and in the morning to set your intentions and reflect upon your actions on a recurring basis. Engaging your philosophical mind like this regularly means when you suddenly need it, it will be much easier to access and put to good use. Thanks for listening to this episode of Practical Stoicism. Remember, if you hate the ads and preambles, you can get rid of them by subscribing for $6 a month on your own private feed over at stoicism.supercast.com. There's a link in the show notes if you're interested in doing that. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, take care. <laughs>